Being the President of the United States is a unique job. It's a job of extremes. There are moments of great importance, and there are also moments of great boredom. Sure, there are those big decisions that have to be made, but truth be told, the amount of big decisions that have to be made are far outnumbered by the amount of little gatherings that have to be attended. Now, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the 32nd President of the United States, grew frustrated with those little gatherings. He had often made the claim that no one listened to anything he said when they walked by him and shook his hand at those receptions. So one day, in an official receiving line, Roosevelt decided to prove his point. As people went through the receiving line and shook his hand, President Roosevelt mumbled to each of them, I murdered my grandmother last night. Well, it turned out that Roosevelt was right. No one was listening. Everyone in the line shook his hand and said, you're doing a great job. It's an honor to meet you. Everyone, that is, until the ambassador from Bolivia approached him. I murdered my grandmother last night, mumbled the president. The ambassador leaned in and whispered back, I'm sure she had it coming. Now, why did I tell you this story? I told you this story because today we're continuing in a series here at Broadway where we're learning some biblical keys to healthy relationships. Last week, we learned about the power of knowing when to speak, and today we're going to learn about the power of knowing how to listen. A year ago, we introduced a concept here at Broadway that we called Better You. Now, it's a play on words, meaning better you, a personal you, and better university. Better You is a yearly series where we focus upon equipping Christ followers with practical life skills in a specific area of biblical concern. Last year, using the words of the Apostle Peter, we focused upon the inner qualities that a follower of Jesus should be cultivating. And for this year's Better You series, we're using the words of James, the brother of Jesus, to focus upon some practical qualities that will ensure relational health. So what's going on in your life right now? Do you have a relationship that's under some stress? Could you use some biblical wisdom when it comes to navigating some relational waters in your life? Well, that's what this series is designed to do. And the source of our advice is a passage from a letter that James wrote to his splintered, traumatized followers during some difficult days. It was written to a, a stressed out, scattered, oppressed group of Jewish followers of Jesus who were just barely clinging to their faith. The church was under persecution. The relationships were under stress. So James stepped up and provided some practical God-inspired advice. And James' advice to them back then still speaks to us today. Now, the advice that we're focusing upon for these three weeks is a simple but profound declaration that James makes in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Essentially, James is answering the question, hey, what's the best way to respond in a relationship when the pressure's on, the stress is building, and you feel like you're losing it? The advice James gives is this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, so pay attention. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, we began last week by zeroing in on the phrase, everyone should be slow to speak. And by unpacking those words, we learned that decreasing the quantity of our words goes a long way towards increasing the quality of our words. Well, today, we're 
focusing upon the phrase, be quick to listen. President Roosevelt was convinced that very few people actually listened to what he was saying. Now think about that. He was the president of the United States of America. He was the leader of the free world. He was the most powerful man on the planet. And it was his experience that there were many times when very few people actually listened to him when he spoke. So what about you? What has been your experience in life? Can you relate to President Roosevelt? Do you often feel like you're speaking and no one's actually listening? If so, when that happens, how does it make you feel? How does it feel when your words and your thoughts, when your views and your opinions are not valued enough to even be considered? Chances are it feels demeaning, doesn't it? You feel like you're invisible. You feel like you don't matter. When we fail to listen to someone, we are failing to respect that someone. And you can never have and you can never build a healthy relationship without respect. So according to James, a key to showing and building health and respect in a relationship is to be quick to listen. Now, as we begin today, I'm inviting you to take a moment of honest introspection. I'm inviting you to take a moment to do an honest inventory. Listen, it's just you. It'll do you no good to lie to yourself, so be as truthful as you can here, okay? Here we go. Think about a relationship in your life right now that's underwater. A relationship that is tense, it's tight, it's tough. Okay, do you have a situation? Do you maybe have a person in mind? Okay. If I was to ask that person whether or not you truly understand them, what do you think they would say to me? If I was to ask you to explain to me the reasons why that other person believes what they believe and does what they do, would you honestly be able to thoroughly unpack what's in their heart and in their mind? If I were to speak to the other person, would that other person say to me that they feel as though you have respected them? Would that other person say to me that you have actually taken the time to listen to them? It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing when you think about it. It's amazing how something as simple as listening can go such a long way towards helping and healing a relationship. And that is why when James had the opportunity to speak words of life and encouragement and wisdom to his fractured followers, one of the very first pieces of advice that James gave in the very first chapter of his letter was, be quick to listen. Okay, so how can we do this? What are some practical things that we can do to live what the Bible teaches? Well, as part of this year's Better You series, we've added a, a new wrinkle. As part of this year's series, we've added an extra layer of equipping by including the input of some highly skilled and experienced individuals in the Broadway orbit. Now, this week, Alex Koo, a trained life coach, retired educator from BCIT, an executive with Life Labs, and our new Poco campus pastor, along with his son, Andrew, who's a trained professional counselor, is going to share some more detailed, practical ways to live this out. Check the QR code on the outline or on our website for more info. But today, in our brief time together, I'm going to paint with real broad brushstrokes. What does it mean to be quick to listen? Well, first of all, being quick to listen means understanding the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing requires ears. Listening requires effort. 
Now, I demonstrate this dynamic to my wife every time we're in a restaurant. So what we do is we're in some busy restaurant, you know, where it's noise, tables, hustling, bustling all around us. And what happens is I am listening to the conversations around me. I'm listening to the couple beside me, the couple behind me, the individual over there. My wife may be talking or she may be looking at the menu. She's just hearing noise, but I am hearing, I'm listening to conversations. Of course, Jan's complaint is often that I am listening to the people around us, but I'm only hearing her. See, you can hear without listening. Listening requires effort. Listening requires careful attention. I'm sure that many of you have heard the term active listening. It's a skill that Alex will unpack a bit this week, so I'm not going to dive deep into it today. But simply put, it's a technique where you have to repeat what the other person has said to you, but you have to repeat it by using your own words. You can't just repeat verbatim what they said. You have to repeat what they said to their satisfaction before you're allowed to respond to what they've said to you. In other words, before you can respond to what they've said, you have to demonstrate to them that you actually listened to what they said. Now, the fact is that it's really difficult to to have an argument when you talk this way. It's a slow, methodical way to have a conversation, which is why so very few people actually do it. But it's nearly impossible to have an off-the-rails, shouting, name-calling kind of argument if you use this listening technique. It's part of what it means to be quick to listen. Being quick to listen means understanding the difference between hearing and listening. Eric Wienmeyer is a mountain climber. He reached the top of Mount Everest, tallest mountain in the world, on May 25, 2001. Now, that's an amazing feat when you think that 90% of the people who attempt it fail and close to 200 people have died trying in the last 50 years. But what makes Eric's feat even more impressive is the fact that Eric Wienmeyer is blind. So how did he reach the top of Mount Everest? Eric listened. Eric listened very well. He listened to the bell that was tied to the back of the climber in front of him. He listened to the instructions being passed on from his teammates. He listened to the sound of his pick when it jabbed to the ground beneath him. Eric Wienmeyer reached the summit because Eric Wienmeyer listened. He listened like it mattered. Eric Wienmeyer understood the difference between hearing and listening. Secondly, being quick to listen means realizing the link between listening and learning. Now, a few weeks ago, during our Invitations from God series, I discussed the invitation to admit that I might be wrong. During that teaching, I talked about how the Darren of today would have some pretty serious disagreements with the Darren of 30 years ago. There are things that I once held to be true that I no longer hold to be true. There are things that I once held to be false that I no longer believe are false. Now, if I'm honest, I would have to admit that there were many times in my youth when I simply failed to actually listen to any view that disagreed with my view. I thought I was right, so I felt no need to listen to someone or something that I thought was wrong. So for years, I heard opposing views, but I never actually listened to opposing views. You see the difference? Now, I'm happy to tell you that I no longer live that way. And looking back, I can only imagine all of the opportunities to learn that I passed over or I threw away. 
I can only imagine how many times I could have been corrected if I had only listened. You see, listening not only displays a respect for the speaker, listening also displays a desire for the truth. When you desire the truth, you will listen to others because it's through listening that you experience learning. How do you think Jesus got to be the kind of teacher and communicator that he was? How do you think Jesus got to be so wise and so effective in life? Now, you're probably thinking, well, Darren, it's because he was God, so he was just born that way. Really? Is that what you think? Do you think that when Jesus was a baby, lying in the manger, he was looking up at the mother, his mother and father and doing the infinite calculus in his mind? Do you think when Jesus was a toddler, he would gaze up into the sky over Nazareth and recite the name of every planet, star, and solar system in the universe? That's not how the writers of Scripture describe Jesus' childhood. Yes, Jesus was God in flesh, and yes, Jesus was sinless, but Jesus' self-understanding was not something that he had instantly. Jesus' understanding was something that was revealed to him over time. Yes, Jesus was truly God, but Jesus was also truly human. Jesus still had to grow in his understanding and grow in his experience of life. Now, if you're confused by all of this, I have good news for you. Starting on Sunday, May 8th at 10.15 a.m. at our Vancouver campus, I'm going to be teaching a class on the Trinity where I'm going to explain and we're going to discuss this very topic. So meet me in the Lore Auditorium on May 8th, and we're going to start digging into this topic. Now, Luke, one of the biographers of Jesus' life, described the childhood of Jesus this way. Luke said this in Luke chapter 2, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, look at that. Jesus grew. A little while ago, I was spending some time with my family, with my siblings, and we were all sitting around talking about our childhood. And during those talks, you know, you invariably and inevitably have the conversation, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when that happened? I'm certain that when Jesus' family got together, they did the same thing. And I'm certain that one of their favorite stories that they told was the time that Jesus got left behind during a family trip to Jerusalem. Luke recorded the story this way. He said, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, remember that, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while returning home back up to Galilee, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. It's like a home alone moment for Jesus. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, I am certain that many people read this story and they think to themselves, how could this possibly have happened? What kind of parents were Joseph and Mary? Well, here's what likely happened. Two things to to, to understand here. First of all, back then, people would travel in caravans for uh, the sake of safety. So you would travel just not as a little single family in a station wagon. Large caravans would travel from Galilee up to south to Jerusalem. They would say up to Jerusalem because you're climbing an elevation. But they would climb, take the trail up to Jerusalem, and they would travel in large groups of family and extended family and friends. 
So the children would be traveling together and the adults traveling together often. So it would be easy to get lost in that mix. But on top of this, remember I told you that to, to remember the fact that Jesus was 12 years old at the time. This means that this probably would have been when he had his bar mitzvah, when they went to the temple. That's when it happened, between 12 and 13. So what that means is Jesus would have left Galilee, a child, and he would have returned to Galilee from Jerusalem as an adult. That's your official step into adulthood. So he would have left traveling with Mary and with the women, and he would have returned in the company of the men, with Joseph and the men. So Mary would have assumed he's with Joseph. Joseph probably would have assumed he's with Mary. It's not unusual at all or unthinkable that it would have taken them a day to realize, hold on, where's Jesus? Very easy to understand. Now, as fascinating as all that is, it's what happened next that I want us to focus upon. Joseph and Mary got back to Jerusalem and they spent three more days looking for him. Imagine how scary that would have been. And they finally found him. But look carefully, not only at where he was when they found him, but what he was doing when they found him. The Bible says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, look at this, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life in the background, listening, listening and learning. Because it's through listening that you experience learning. Jesus listened and Jesus learned for 30 years. Jesus listened and learned from the people and the experiences around him. He went to parties. He went to funerals. He went to synagogue. He went to school. He went to work. He went out with his friends. Jesus listened and Jesus learned. And then when he was ready to launch out into the world in his ministry, he was equipped to speak with an authority and teach with an understanding that was compelling. Because Jesus spent 30 years listening, Jesus understood the word, and he understood the world around him. It's the second key to being quick to listen. It's realizing the link between listening and learning. Now, this listening and this learning happens on many levels and in many ways. You learn by listening to others. In Hebrews 13, 17, the writer tells us that we need to listen to the spiritual elders and leaders in our lives. In Proverbs 13, 20, King Solomon tells us that we need to listen to those who have proven to be wise in our lives. In Psalm 141, 5, King David tells us that we need to listen to the godly men and women in our lives. Secondly, you learn by listening to yourself. When you're quick to listen, you pay attention to the inner dialogue that's going on within you, and you do what the Apostle Paul instructed us to do. You take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. A year ago, when I did sort of an inventory in my own life, my own mind, I discovered the plethora, the, the huge amount of lies that I was believing. And I had to dismantle them and deconstruct these lies and realize I'm believing these things. I need to renounce them and reject them and move on. You learn by listening to others. You learn by listening to yourself. And thirdly, you learn by listening to the indwelling Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul told the Christ followers in the ancient city of Corinth that as Christ followers, we have received the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This dynamic is incredible. God's Spirit and your spirit as a follower of Jesus dwell in relationship. In fact, Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. 
God's thoughts and your thoughts dwell together. Through spontaneous thoughts, through interacting with the Bible, we have the ability to hear the voice of God. We have the ability to experience the voice of the indwelling Spirit. Now, one of the discipleship tools that we've provided here at Broadway Church is something we call the STEP journal. STEP, remember, stands for Scripture, Teaching, Experience, and Prayer. Think of it as a listening and a learning tool. It's a, a journal where you can read through the scripture at whatever pace you're happy with, and then you write down a scripture that jumps out at you that day. Then the T stands for teaching. You write what it's teaching. And then the E is what we're talking about here. The E is where you write down what you're experiencing in response to what you're being taught. What's the Spirit of God saying to you? And then the P is the prayer that you pray in response to what you've experienced. You can purchase the step journal at Timber, or you can download a free digital version on our website. It's a simple truth, folks, and a powerful reality. When you are quick to listen, you are quick to learn. And all of this brings us to the conclusion of today's teaching and the big idea for today. Here it is. When you love, you listen. Because a failure to listen is a failure to love. When you love, you listen. Because a failure to listen is a failure to love. You cannot love without listening. When you love, you listen. When you love a person, you will listen to that person. You'll listen to them because you want to know them, to understand them, so that you can reach them or help them or bond with them. When you love, you listen. And a failure to listen is a failure to love. When you love the truth, you will listen to learn the truth. You listen because you want to know the truth. You want to understand the truth so that you can grasp the truth and live the truth and share the truth. Do you love the truth? Do you love the truth enough to be willing to hear the truth, even if it's a hard truth? Have you ever been driving and you're about to change lanes and someone honks at you? What's your first reaction? I'm not proud to admit this, but my first instinct when someone honks at me in such a case is to be angry at them. But then I thought, why? Why would I react that way? It's foolish of me. They're actually helping me. They saw my blind spot and they warned me that I'm heading for a crash. Well, as we close today, I'm going to share a truth with you that may upset you at first. But if you're a seeker and a lover of truth, you'll be quick to listen. Here it is. You and I have a sin problem, and that problem separates us from God forever. The fact is, the Bible says that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of God's design for our life. And this sin separates us from God, and there's nothing we can do. We can't scrub away the sin. We can't work away the sin. It's there. It's part of who we are. And that sin separates us from a holy God. So God has done what we could never do. He's paid the price for our sin. He's cleansed us. His perfect life was offered in exchange for our imperfect life. His sinless experience was offered in exchange and as a payment for our sinful experience. He got what we deserve. And now he offers us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. He has offered to pay our moral debt. But in order to receive this gift, you've got to admit that you need it. You've got to admit that you are sinful. You've got to admit that you are in dire need of cleansing and forgiveness. Have you accepted this gift? Have you acknowledged this truth? Have you listened to the truth 
that you are separated from God and you need a Savior. If you've listened and you're willing to accept this gift, as I close right now, I invite you to pray with me as a way of speaking to God and saying, yes, I acknowledge it and I accept it. Let's do that right now as we conclude today. Let's pray together. God, I have heard the truth. I have listened to the truth. And now I want to respond to the truth. I acknowledge that I have sinned. I have fallen short of your design for my life. I acknowledge my absolute need for cleansing and for a savior. And I acknowledge that you have come to do this in my place, that you're offering me this gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And so I accept this gift. I acknowledge my need. I turn my back on my sinful life. I don't want to live that way anymore. And I ask you to come into my life Fill me with your spirit, dwell within me, and change me from this moment forward. And give me the courage now to act on this, to tell somebody about this decision that I've made. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, on the screen is a number that you can text. Now don't worry, we're not fooling you, we're not trying to put you on a mailing list or hound you in any way. We simply want to respond to your text and help you take the next step in whatever way we can. God bless you. Thank you for joining with us today at Broadway Church. Next week, join with us again when we conclude this series, Better You. We're going to learn next week about don't be angry. Be quick to deal with your anger. We're going to learn how to do that next time we gather together. God bless you. Thanks for being with us at Broadway Church today.